0: Hello and welcome back to Global Value. Today, we're performing a fundamental stock analysis of Verizon Communications, Inc., ticker symbol VZ. So we're looking at Verizon today as a subscriber request. We're also making an updated analysis of the business from our analysis last year. Currently, Verizon is trading for $38.81 per share. Over the last year, their stock price is down nearly 28%. Over the last five years, Verizon's stock price is down 20.5%, so they're down at a rate of 4.5% compounded annually. Over 10 years, Verizon's stock price is down 17% overall. And going back prior to the global financial crisis, over the last 18 years, Verizon stock price is up just 11%. That's about half a percentage point compounded annually. Keep in mind that Verizon does pay out a significant dividend yield. Currently, they have a dividend yield of 6.65%, which is about three times that of the yield of an S&P 500 ETF. However, we want to analyze the business to understand in part if that dividend is going to be supported going forward. And Verizon's average dividend yield throughout this time frame would be in addition to this compounded annual return. So total returns to shareholders are greater than what's showcased in their returns from their stock price alone. Verizon is currently trading $4 above their 52-week low. They're down $16 from their 52 week high. Verizon is a very large business. They have a $163 billion market cap and Verizon has a $342.5 billion total enterprise value. For more background about the company, Verizon is primarily a wireless business with nearly 80% of revenue and nearly all operating income coming from wireless. It serves about 93 million postpaid and 23 million prepaid phone customers following the acquisition of TrackPhone via its nationwide network, making it the largest U.S. wireless carrier. Fixed line telecom operations include local networks in the Northeast, which reach about 25 million homes and businesses and nationwide enterprise services the company was formerly known as bell atlantic corporation and changed its name to verizon communications inc in june of 2000. verizon communications inc was incorporated in 1983 and is headquartered in the big apple new york new york So for our fundamental analysis today, we are performing the select six analysis, taking a checklist style approach of six standard financial metrics to come to a holistic and beginning understanding of Verizon based off of their business fundamentals. So this analysis is still a work in progress and it's an opportunity to learn in public. So it will continue to improve and get better over time. With that said, let's get right into today's analysis. Starting things off with metric number one, we want their average return on capital over the last five years to be above 14%. And there are two key reasons for this. The first is that the average publicly listed business earns about a 7% return on capital, and the second is that over the long run, over the course of decades, a stock is likely to return approximately what its underlying business returns, and these business returns are going to be captured here by return on capital. So by looking for a benchmark of 14% or higher here, we can potentially build in some margin of safety for ourselves based off the overall quality of the business being about twice as good as average. So Verizon's return on capital has been declining over this time frame, the business earned about 15.5% returns on capital in 2018 and over their most recent fiscal year in 2020, Verizon only earned 10.5% returns on capital. While these are solidly above the returns that a typical business is earning, Verizon's average returns on capital are about 12.5% over these last five years. So this is a couple of percentage points below that 14% benchmark we're ideally looking for. And so this is gonna be an X here to start things off on metric number one for Verizon. Next up for metric number two, here we're taking a high level overview of the growth of their business. So we're looking for revenue, net income, and free cash flow growth over the last five years. This metric is all or nothing in nature. Either all three of these are up for this to be a check, or if even one of these is down, this entire metric will be an X. So over this time frame, Verizon has only very slightly grown their revenues off of a humongous base of $131 billion in 2018 to just under $137 billion in 2022. So this is only 4% revenue growth for the business. Their earnings are up 37% over these last five years. However, their free cash flows are down 21%. When we look at the business's cash flow statement, the line item that jumps out the most here is a huge increase in their CapEx. So Verizon is spending about $6 billion more today than they were in 2018 on CapEx alone. And so that increase in CapEx is what's principally driving down their free cash flow over this time frame. meaning that because their free cash flows are down, this is an X here on metric number two. This is a potential concern Concern because free cash flow is really the lifeblood of any business, and ultimately a business's abilities to produce free cash flows now and until judgment day, discounted back by some reasonable interest rate, is what that business is going to be worth. So a business can use its free cash flows to pay dividends, buy back shares, pay down debt, reinvest back in the business, or make acquisition. So having such an asset-heavy business, it's not necessarily surprising that Verizon has had to increase their capex, especially as inflation has gone up over the past couple of years. Again, this is an X here on. Met- Trick number two. Next up for metric number three, here we're taking the perspective of an individual shareholder in the business by looking at Verizon on a per share basis. So we're looking for earnings per share growth over the last five years. We learned in our previous metric that their earnings are up 37% over this time frame. However, we still want to look at what the company has done in terms of their shares outstanding. Verizon over this period has marginally diluted shareholders. They've only issued about 2% additional shares outstanding. Ideally, we want to see a business not issuing shares or better yet, they'd be buying back shares. they think that the price of their business is trading for below its intrinsic value. So with their earnings being up at a rate that's much faster than their shareholder delusion, this has led to earnings per share growth over the last five years for Verizon. This is a check here on metric number three, and this is our first check of the day. Over the last 12 months, Verizon has earned $5.06 for each share that they've had outstanding. Next up for metric number four, here we're looking for something very similar. So we're looking for free cash flow per share growth over the last five years for Verizon. So as we learned previously, their free cash flows are are down over this time frame and the company has issued a small percentage of additional shares outstanding. This means that Verizon's free cash flows per share are down over this time frame and so this is an X here on metric number four. The business has only produced $2.48 worth of free cash flow for each share that they've had outstanding in their most recent fiscal year. So far through our first four metrics we only have one check and we have three X's for Verizon. There's something here that we're going to point out about what happened in their fiscal 2021 as well for why they're showing such a negative amount here. Next up for metric number five here we're evaluating how the business utilizes debt so we don't want to be investing in overly levered businesses because during economic downturns it's overly levered businesses that are going to be at the greatest risk of poor outcomes so we want their net debt which is their total debt minus their cash and their short-term investments to be below the amount of free cash flow that the business has produced over their last five years so verizon has significantly increased their net debt position over this time frame there was a big jump from fiscal 2020 to their fiscal 2021 which we'll cover in more depth than just a moment even since then verizon's been increasing their net debt position currently the business has 178 billion dollars worth of net debt which in absolute terms is likely one of the largest debt loads of any business on the planet and over these last five years verizon has only produced about 92 and a half billion dollars worth of free cash flow so again while in absolute terms that is a lot of free cash flow relative to the massive debt loads that the business is employing that's seemingly not and so it looks like Verizon based off their abilities to produce free cash flows over this time frame, is using a pretty significant amount of debt in their business. So this is an X here on metric number five, and this may be a potential concern. If you're interested in learning more about Verizon's debt position, you would wanna dig into the company's filings. They'll break out their debt in more detail. They'll provide an overview of the terms of this debt, when it reaches maturity, how it's structured, if there are any covenants with it and what rates it's at. So you can dive into the company's filings to get a deeper perspective here. This again is an Exxon metric number five, and it's not helped that their free cash flows have declined over this time frame. So the big question here in 2021 was why did the company take on so much debt and why was the total cash flow for the business so negative in this year? That had to do with Verizon more than doubling its mid-band spectrum holdings by bidding for and winning the 140 to 200 megahertz C-band spectrum, which cost Verizon $52.9 billion, including incentive payments and clearing costs. This is a huge expenditure in fiscal 2021 that enables Verizon the use and ownership rights of this mid-band spectrum. Bill Brewster had an excellent episode on his podcast where he had a guest on who dove heavily into the telecom space and they talk specifically about this mid band spectrum and some of the physical constraints of the different low, mid and high band spectrums and how that can potentially impact Verizon and some of its peers and competitors like AT&T and T-Mobile going forward. I'd highly recommend that you check that out and I'll link to it in the description down below. Then our sixth and final metric, the big metric of them all, we want their average free cash flow to their total enterprise value to give us a yield that's above 5%. If this is the case, this may potentially offer us a reasonable starting point for evaluation of Verizon, and it may offer us a slight risk premium to the yield of the 10-year treasury. So we're using their total enterprise value because it takes into account both their market cap and their net debt position, and it's going to give us a perspective of Verizon as a business that's more similar to as if Verizon were a private company. So currently, Verizon has a $342.5 billion total enterprise value. We learned in the last metric that Verizon has produced $92.5 billion worth of free cash flow over the last five years years meaning that in an average year Verizon produces about 18 and a half billion dollars worth of free cash flow so when we divide their 18 and a half billion dollars of their average free cash flow by their 342 and a half billion dollar total enterprise value That somewhat surprisingly gives us about a 5.4% average free cash flow to enterprise value yield for Verizon. So that is slightly above that 5% risk premium we're ideally seeking. And so on an average basis of their free cash flows here, this is actually a check on metric number six for Verizon. Just because this is the case doesn't mean that you're going to go run out and buy this business. This is not a buy or sell recommendation of any security and it's not financial advice. One thing you want to be aware of here as well is that their free cash flows have come down over the last five years. So as we discussed in our last metric, Verizon has produced $14 billion worth of free cash flow in their most recent fiscal year. So to get a current free cash flow to enterprise value yield for Verizon, when we divide their $14 billion of their most recent fiscal years worth of free cash flow by their $342.5 billion total enterprise value, that only gives us about a 4.1% current free cash flow to enterprise value yield for Verizon. So that would be below that 5% risk premium we'd be looking for, but that's still slightly above the yield of the 10-year treasury. Either way though, on an average and a current basis of their free cash flows. Verizon is split here with their yield. And so it's important to keep in mind that this is just one of our six metrics. And that even though these metrics are simple, when they're combined together, they can be very powerful. And you'll want to stick around until the end of the video because we've still got some interesting things to cover for Verizon. Then as a bonus here, we're taking a look at Verizon's dividend profile. So Verizon currently pays out that very above average 6.65% dividend yield. Again, that's three times better than the yield that you'd be receiving from an S&P 500 ETF. However, people may mistakes all the time by blindly chasing dividends so it's important to stop and look at the underlying fundamentals of a business like we've been doing and to look to see whether that company can support their dividends either through their earnings or through their free cash flows depending on the type of business. For Verizon we want their dividends to be supported by their free cash flows and that's been the case in three of these past five years. With their significant purchase of their mid-band spectrum rights in 2021 Verizon was not supporting their dividends with the cash that ended up leaving the business and with their free cash flows declining in 2022, the business was not able to support their dividend payout, which they actually raised year over year from fiscal 2021 to fiscal 2022 using their free cash flows alone. That may be of concern to you, especially if you're potentially interested in Verizon in part for its abilities to return cash to shareholders via its dividend payouts. One thing to note about Verizon is that the company did make up about 4% of Berkshire Hathaway's public equities portfolio, with likely Warren Buffett himself building up a position in the company in Q3 and Q4 of 2020. However, in Q1 of 2022, Berkshire got rid of most of its position in Verizon and they fully disposed of the position and are no longer shareholders in Verizon as of the second quarter of 2022. So that's something here that you may potentially want to be mindful of as well. Then everything we've discussed so far is important, but there's something missing that, in my opinion, is the main reason to analyze Verizon, which takes us on to using a discounted cash flow model to come to a potential fair value for Verizon communications. So a discounted cash flow model is just like any other model in any other discipline. Its outputs are going to be sensitive to its inputs. So here we're starting with Verizon's current free cash flows per share, and we're using historical growth assumptions based off how the business has grown their free cash flows dating back all the way till 1990 in order to project these out into the future. So it's up to you to do your own homework here to determine whether or not the these historical growth assumptions are going to be accurate and applicable going forward to give us a baseline project estimate for Verizon over their next 20 years. If we assume that the business grows their current free cash flows at a rate of two and a half percent annually for the next 10 years, and then this declines slightly to where they grow their free cash flows at a rate of two percent annually for the 10 years out after that. So estimating for the business 20 years out into the future in total, we won't be adding in their tangible book value. But if we were seeking a 15 percent rate of return from Verizon, which is the rate of return that Warren Buffett is ideally looking for from his investments, especially his long-term investments, not necessarily the ones that could be cash substitutes, given the massive cash pile that's on hand at Berkshire. Keep in mind that Warren Buffett is also ideally looking for margin of safety requirements, depending on the dynamics of the industry that a business operates in, as well as how that business compares competitively to its peers and whether or not it truly possesses a durable competitive advantage. With that in mind, then it looks like at today's valuations of Verizon that a potential fair intrinsic value for the company is only around $18 per share. So even though the company's stock price has come down pretty significantly over the past year, it still looks like a fair value for the company is less than half of the business's current stock price. There are some caveats here that you'll want to be mindful of. So one is that we would not be doubly counting their dividends. So 6.6% of this return would be coming from their dividend yield to shareholders. And it looks like if this was the case at this $18 price point, that Verizon stock price would only be compounding at a rate of 9% annually. Keep in mind that a discounted cash flow model is based off the predictability of a business's future free cash flows. And even though Verizon has a lot of fixed assets, its business hasn't necessarily been the most predictable in the past, and they maybe haven't had the most predictable cash flows either. So there's reasons why that could be similar going forward into the future. There are other reasons why this analysis is only an estimate for Verizon. So please be mindful of the fact that this type of analysis is not financial advice. It's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. And before considering any potential investment decision, please consult with the properly licensed and registered legal and financial professionals. In just a minute, we'll talk about our summary for Verizon, but we have to address something first. What are some of the qualitative aspects of this business, especially those that support the key points for either a potential short or a potential long thesis of Verizon? So starting with some of the key points around a potential short thesis for Verizon. Number one, Verizon's balance sheet isn't the fortress it once was. Paying down debt will limit strategic flexibility and shareholder returns. Number two, Verizon's fixed line business is a disaster, earning minimal profits and facing years of high cost supporting declining businesses and number three wireless technology is dramatically lowering the cost to build and maintain a network. Rival carriers, especially T-Mobile, are rapidly deploying new spectrum and technology to add coverage and capacity. Verizon's network leadership may be a thing of the past. Then for some of the key points around a potential long thesis for the business, number one, Verizon is relentlessly pushing forward in its core business, expanding its fiber optic network and deploying 5G wireless technology. Number two, with the largest customer base in the United States, Verizon Wireless is also the most efficient carrier in the industry, delivering far better profitability than its rivals. And number three, a relentless focus on network strength over the past 15 years has put Verizon in an enviable position. Its wireless network provides the broadest coverage in the industry and its reputation with customers is sterling. So hopefully that offers a balanced perspective around some of the key qualitative aspects for Verizon, supporting either a potential long or potential short thesis of the business. Now it's time for our wrap up. So in summary, Verizon Communications checks the box on two out of our six metrics, meaning that Verizon is a weak candidate in terms of its attractiveness for farther research. The business, while it earns above average returns on capital of about 12.5% are falling just short of that 14% benchmark we're ideally looking for. While Verizon has very slightly grown their revenues over the last five years, their earnings are actually up moderately. However, their free cash flows are down as the business has spent more on capital expenditures. Verizon has also marginally diluted its shareholders by about 2% over this period. And as the business has tacked on quite a bit of debt, in the last five years, especially adding on quite a bit of debt for its mid-band C-Spectrum auction purchase in 2021. The business's net debt position does not look like it's supported on either an average or a current basis of their free cash flows. While it does look like Verizon's average free cash flow to enterprise value yield is potentially offering us that risk premium that we'd be seeking in comparison to the yield of the 10-year treasury, that does not look like that would be the case when we looked at their current free cash flows to enterprise value yield, even though that is still coming in slightly above the yield of the 10-year treasury. It's just not offering that risk premium we'd ideally be seeking. Then looking at Verizon's dividend profile, the company supported their dividend payouts in three of the past five years. However, Verizon was not able to support their dividends with their free cash flows alone in either fiscal 2021 or fiscal 2022, and they've increased their dividend payouts in all five of these years. So that may be a potential concern, especially with the company's very high debt loads, if the business is not able to pick up their free cash flows going forward into the future. Then finally, performing a discounted cash flow analysis of Verizon. If you've done the work and you believe that those historical growth assumptions are going to be accurate and applicable for Verizon, then if you are seeking a 15% rate of return from the business, it looks like a potential fair value for Verizon at today's valuation to the company is only around $18 per share. So that would be significantly below what their current stock price is, with their stock price being cut by more than half. Again, there are reasons why this may not be potentially accurate for the business. So it's worth reiterating that this type of analysis is not financial advice. It's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. And before considering any potential investment decision, please consult with your financial advisor. This type of analysis instead serves as a beginning and holistic understanding to help you determine whether it's worth your time and energy to dig in and learn more about Verizon. One resource that will definitely help you stay up to speed with what's going on in the market and help you learn more about the business is Seeking Alpha. Checking out Seeking Alpha directly supports the channel as I'm part of their affiliate program. So most of you probably know Seeking Alpha as a source of community written articles on different stocks, but over the past little while, they've actually become a lot more than that with their new offering, which is Seeking Alpha Premium. Premium has a number of different features where you can track buy, hold, and sell ratings on your favorite stocks, These ratings are from the Seeking Alpha community, Wall Street analysts, and Seeking Alpha's algorithm. You can see earnings call, transcripts, investor presentations, SEC filings, and press releases all in one place. You can add your own margin of safety targets and get alerts for when your favorite stocks hit that level. You can get unlimited access to Seeking Alpha articles, and you can tailor your reading experience based on the type of investor you are. You can get 10 years of financial data on any stock to help you with your analysis. You can also import your portfolio into your Seeking Alpha dashboard to make research easier. And if that didn't convince you, the best thing is that an annual plan is only 119 bucks. That's just 33 cents per day through my referral link down in the description below. Normally premium is $239, but if you use my link, it's 50% off. So check it out if you're interested. So as a value investor, you're ultimately trying to conduct this research as if you're going to own 100% of a business, and you can truly understand the ins and outs of that company and understand what's important and what's not important for the business going forward as you seek to learn its underlying essence. So through this deeper research, you'll learn more about the qualitative and the quantitative aspects of Verizon, and you'll likely be able to determine for yourself what a reasonably appropriate intrinsic value for the company will be. So with that said, that's it for today's fundamental stock analysis of Verizon Communications Inc., ticker symbol VZ. Again, we look at the business today as a subscriber request. And with Verizon checking the box on two of our six metrics, it looks like they are weakly attractive for further research. But that's not to say that it's not worth your time to dig into the business. By all means, if there's an aspect of Verizon that piques your interest, read through their filings and learn more about the company. I'm happy to make an analysis of Verizon today. And if you enjoyed today's video, please be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel for more stock analysis videos, and comment down below what business you want me to take a look at next. Thanks for learning about Verizon with me and have a great day.